I'm Jaslyn, and I was thinking about writing a song called No Cash Out. Um, hi, I'm Ellen, and I already wrote that song. Really? What a coincidence. And this is High High Expectations. Expectations. (laughs) Have I told you about that song before? No, you haven't. How do you know about it? Lily. (gasps) Really? She was telling me last night. Oh, what did she tell? What did she say? Well, we, we somehow got talking about um, learning instruments and stuff, and she was like, "Well, Alan's a really good like songwriter and singer and stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, she's great." She's like, "She's like, do they have like a band with Maddie?" And I was like, "Really? This never come up." She's like, "Yeah, they had this awesome song called No Cash Out." And she like <laughs> sang me the chorus and stuff. She still has it in her head. Oh my god, Lily does remember everything. Yeah. And I was like, I've never heard about this before. I'm going to bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe I've told you, but the way that you looked to me was like, I didn't tell you. You found out somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So no cash out. When we were at high school, there was a dairy down the road, which was our local dairy. It wasn't really the flashiest place. <laughs> Every time you bought something at the dairy, he'd say no cash out, meaning do you want cash out? Every transaction he'd say it. I don't know why. Like, no cash out? So, I don't know. We thought it was really funny. And he'd also say just, like, really random shit that we thought was hilarious. So, I wrote a song about it. I can remember probably most of it. But the chorus was um, based on some weird passing comment he made at Maddie when he saw that she had a guitar. And it went, (laughs) you sing. You play guitar. You sing, 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 play harmonica. You sing. You play guitar. You sing, 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 play harmonica. You sing. You play guitar. You sing, 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 play harmonica. You sing. You play guitar. You sing, 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 play harmonica. <laughs> no cash out. No cash out. That's how it went. How it went. I think it's time for a reunion tour. <laughs> I was had a rap called The Death of Sardanapolis. Have I ever... No. Really? Shit. Okay. <laughs> I think we maybe had another song as well called Gorilla, Gorilla Man. All right, I'll do both. The rap is based on a painting by Delacroix. It's a romantic era French painting. And it's um, of a man, you know, like a Sardanapalus. He's like some sort of sultan. And all of his wives are being taken away and his house is being caught on fire and rampaged by criminals and so we made this rap about it because we loved art history. How does it start? Let me give me a second. It's the deficit Annapolis coming in like Crapolis, coming in like, what's up with this? There's women on my lapagus. They're coming in these dudes. They're not wearing any shoes. There's women in the nude. It's getting kind of lewd. I'm exhibited in the Louvre. Ten minutes ago, I was lying in bed, resting my head. I could have been dead. I was eating a chicken wing. This lady, she begins to sing. I think that was my wife. Oh my god, he's got a knife! Fire, fire, hand me some pliers. It's gonna be cool. Gonna do this with tools. Now when I say sa, you say Danapolis. Sa? Danapolis. Sa? Danapolis. <laughs> when I say Danapolis, you say sa. Danapolis. Sa. Danapolis. Sa. <laughs> I'm the king of the world, all the women and the fries and the girls. And don't you forget it or I'll make you regret it. I'm sa Danapolis. Sa Danapolis. I can't believe this never come up because I often do it when I'm really, really drunk. Really? Yeah. Wow, no, I don't know. I think I this. <laughs> I think because once I brought it up and I did it 
for a friend at the time and he said it was kind of shit. So I've never done it again. But I now realize it's amazing. It's amazing, amazing. Like, <laughs> I want to put some bass behind that. It's like really funny. Um, my favorite line is fire, fire, hand me some pliers. I'm going to be cool. Gonna do it with tools. That's my favorite. Nice one. I wrote most of the rap, but I think. But I'm pretty sure Maddie contributed quite a few of the lines, including it's getting kind of lewd. And probably, I eat a chicken wing, this lady, she begins to sing, oh my god, I think that might have been my wife, oh my god, he's got a knife. So basically the rap describes what's going on in the painting. Cool. Yeah. That was that one. All right, the third one was Gorilla Man, and it was based on a guy that we both briefly dated. The song's about him being a gorilla man. And all I can remember is the chorus. By the way, this is when Flight of the Concords came out, which was obviously highly influential on my writing style. Gorilla Man went, You're a gorilla man from the 70s. Then Maddie would go, 1973. Why do you take it out on me? Do you take it out on me? And that's all I remember. (laughs) (laughs) I remember now, when I was at school... Yeah. I came up with a song, and it was called Big Floppy Undies. Oh my god! Sheer. <laughs> I think it just had a chorus. I got big floppy undies, yeah, 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 when I fart they look like sails. Oh my god, I know the song! <laughs> big floppy undies, yeah, 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 <laughs> when I fart they look like sails. I love it! <laughs> The first song I think I ever wrote was called G'day G'day, and it was on a road trip around the North Island with my mom and family, and they loved it, and they were pissing themselves laughing, as my sister would say. All I can remember is that it was it went, G'day G'day, and then I'd follow it up with some kind of improv. So, I don't know, like, comedy writing, songwriting, and, like, improv has always been something that comes quite naturally to me. Hmm. Yeah, and my mum loved G'day G'day so much that she made me get on stage at my cousin's wedding and sing G'day G'day. Or maybe I decided to do it on my own. I don't know. So that was my first performance as well. I think I was like six. (laughs) Yeah. And the love for the stage never went away. No. (laughs) And my like weird comedy songwriting. Definitely still a thing. Awesome. I mean, they're no big floppy undies, but they're great songs. <laughs> Your big floppy undies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. What are we actually talking about today? Nanette, yep. Speaking of comedy, Nanette. Speaking of comedy, is it comedy though? This episode is going to be heavily spoiler. Spoilerific. So like, for real, if you haven't seen Nanette. Why? Firstly. It's on Netflix. Find a way to watch it. So like an hour long. It's worth it. Come back. Play this episode. Okay. Yep. We'll give you like a few seconds to pause us. And Jasmine will sing for you. I've got big <laughs> floppy undies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big floppy undies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I father look like sound. Just like sales, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go watch Nanette. Okay. So Nanette, wow, what a 
what a performance that was. Yes. I was kind of in a wave of like... Feeling. Feeling and indecision how to feel. <gasps> yeah. yeah. And how to feel about comedy. Because mm. as our listeners probably know, Jaslyn and I both do comedy. Stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy, yeah. yeah. Basically, what I would sum up Nanette as being a deconstruction of comedy and how we use comedy. Um, one of the big points being that often queer women use quite self-deprecating comedy, but we're already constantly put down in the world. Why do we stand up on stage and entertain people by doing it again? I feel is her point. Do you agree? Really made mm, me think about yes. my comedy style, which is very self-deprecating. Yeah, more so than mine. Yeah, Jaslyn's the wholesome and like the best way. She uses a lot of puns, um, just funny wordplay. It's it's very fun and silly and obviously very funny. Thank um, you. Yeah, whereas mine is a lot more dark, sexual, and <laughs> self-deprecating. Yeah, more, more personal about your life. Yes, yeah. yes. Everything I make is very autobiographical, so yeah. yeah. Whereas I just blatantly lie. <laughs> I'm a lawnmower <laughs> I found that bit so interesting about how comedy stops at the trauma. You don't get the resolution of feeling. Yeah, it's the the tension. Yes, that's it, the tension. tension. She creates tension and then she takes away the tension and then you can laugh. And what really sets you off is that in the last 10, 15 minutes of the show, she says to you, I'm going to create some tension now. I'm not going to take it away. And she like drops some heavy shit. And you're like, oh, well, please tell another joke. And she doesn't for a while. Yeah. And she spits out a tiny little joke. Yeah. She's like, this is your last joke. But um, continues. So she says, like, white men, pull your socks up. And you're like, oh, my God. And then she's like, how embarrassing. Fashion advice from a lesbian. And nothing's more funny than that in the setup of the show, which I really hope you guys have watched because that explaining the joke's fucking lame. Mm. Because that tension has been built up for so long, you are so relieved for the humor because we use humor as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, that it's even funnier than it would be normally. Yeah. Because for a while beforehand, these close ups of her face and she is emotionally like riled up. Yeah. She is like near tears. She has like really serious face. And she's like, letting you have it. As a culture, we can't handle open expressions of emotion. No. Not not if they're bad emotions. Not if they're ones that make us feel depressed or sad. Yeah. But living life as a woman and as a queer woman, it's not always fucking fun. No, it's definitely not. And she tells a story of when... It was, starts out as a joke um, when a guy, like, threatens to beat her up. And then he says, oh, I can't beat you up. You're a, you're a woman, basically. Hmm. But then she says, what I don't tell you with that joke is that I did actually get beaten up. And I, I've never been beaten up, thank fucking God. Yeah. But being a woman in this world means that you have to put up with pretty much near constant harassment, really. Like, people in the street, especially in New Zealand, they yell at you from cars. And recently I had an experience where I was extremely intimidated by a young man who stopped his car, got out of his car and stopped, started yelling at me from maybe a meter away from me 
telling me I was a fat fuck and that he, because I told him to F off because he did a cat call and he said that he was trying to be nice to me and I was rude. Whereas I felt he was rude in the first place and I felt I had dealt with that kind of behavior for 10 years of my life, you know, and I was done and he got out of the car and made me feel unsafe and every single person I talk to has a story like that. Some of them are funny and some of them aren't. Yeah, it's downright creepy. And if you're a woman and if you're queer, that often happens. Like I, my queer guy friends as well, they get called a fucking faggot. That's not uncommon. And it mm. it's shocking. Yeah, and like we live in a pretty liberal city. The kind of city where being gay is kind of boring. <laughs> yes. Yet there's still people around that are like, just tell assholes. Yeah. And they'll let you know that they're there. When I was with my ex-girlfriend, we would have experiences where we would walk down the road holding hands or we kissed, whatever, openly showing we were a couple. Hmm. And um, we were harassed, teased, you know, sexually objectifying comments were made at us. We even had a man slow down so he could watch us walk down the street from his car as we held hands. That's so fucked up. So, you know, comedy is a way of coping, but at the same time, what her name's Hannah Gadsby. Gadsby does and Nanette is to create that tension in all of us to realize how hard it is to live life when you're different. And that's the main point of it. It's not just about being a woman, it's not just about being queer, it's not just about being her. It's about that being different is dangerous. Isn't that what she says? It's different is dangerous and because it's dangerous, to cope with it, you make jokes about it. But by making jokes about it, you don't get to tell your story. And by telling your story, you can then educate people about what's actually going on and encourage them to be better in society. Hopefully the message gets through. I just felt like watching that was... Okay, I'm just going to say it. I just felt like I was watching history happen. I felt like what she was doing, to my mind, to anything I've seen, was mm. completely innovative. And it's so rare that you see that. Totally real. I mean, it's totally rare. Yeah. Because, okay, it's billed as an an hour-long stand-up comedy special. So you start watching it, expecting an hour of jokes. The best joke she's got, basically. Yeah. For the first 20 minutes. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's And then she, like, gives a hint that things are going to be different tonight. Where she starts to talk about, maybe I should quit comedy. And here's some reasons why. And you're like, oh, that's a bit awkward, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she goes back to the jokes. Yeah. Like, Sweet. Okay, we're back past the uncomfortable part. And this is like a left turn. It's like, wait. Yeah. Now after that joke, here's the backstory to it. And she just unleashes. Yeah. And then you get like half an hour of real talk. Yeah. And it's compelling watching. And you don't care about not laughing because it's just so compelling. At the same time, you're desperate for a laugh because it's so much tension. Yes. Yeah. So two things I'll mention is um, the first thing is that she she says she had a whole comedy set dedicated to her coming out story. And when you do a comedy circuit, you essentially tell the same jokes or same routine over and over again, as you would expect. But it got to the point where she toured this for so long that she'd forgotten the reality of her coming out story and all the ickiness and the awkwardness and the realness of it Mm. because she'd replaced it with the memory of the jokes. Yeah. Which left her, as she said, at the tension of it. It warped it in her mind. 
And like that, that's something I just never thought of before. Like the way that what you create from your art, specifically stand-up comedy, can alter your reality or your story. Because so much of stand-up comedy is, like you say, Jaslyn, lies. You've never been a lawnmower No. Only one of my jokes is true. (laughs) Two of them are true. Two of them are true. The rest (laughs) are just blatant lies. But they make people laugh. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that's so common. Like, you hear these amazing stories from comedians or these horribly... I've heard horrible sexually explicit jokes from male comedians and I wonder, is there a woman at the other end of these that's being humiliated every night? Are they real, though? Like, you don't, can't tell the difference between what's real and yeah. what's not. But I guess what you see in front of you is entertainment. Of course, it can be educational, it can be enlightening, it can be uplifting. But some of the time, it punches down. Some of the time, it's not good for you sure. or for society. Yeah, we've seen our share of people punching down. I hate it. And it's so uncomfortable to watch. And sometimes they get heckled for it. Other times, you're just like, I don't want to laugh at this and I don't want to clap for them at the end. Yes. Try and get some kind of like subtle message across like that was not okay. I watch a lot of amateur comedy being a, you know, comedian myself. Um, and I think one of the worst ones I saw recently was a man who said, I'm between the, you know, the modern day ideal of accepting queerness. Young people, uh, as Jaslyn said, yeah, almost kind of bored by it. Like you, you don't, not not bored as such, but more, uh, you don't care. If somebody's queer, a lot of young people, not all, of course, but they're just like, oh, cool, that's just something about you. Mm. That's just a thing. If somebody came out to me as queer, I'd be excited for them, I guess, because yeah. I'd love, I like that commonality. I like being part of that community. Older people really struggle with it. It's not something they were exposed to. If they were, it was considered otherly and weird. I mean, queerness means weird. That's how we yeah. get the word. So, right. And then he said he's somewhere between those two extremes. But I would beg to differ because what he said was, I don't have any problem when I see two men making out if they're gay. But if two straight men made out, I'd be really uncomfortable. I just don't even understand the joke because it's like, if they're making out, they're not straight. They're not entirely straight. Sexuality's fluid. Let men be fluid. And if they are just straight and want to make out, it's fine. It doesn't look any visually different to two gay guys. Yeah. You're like ID checking first or something. Yeah, like how would you know somebody's sexuality by on view, on viewing them? People wouldn't know that I'm necessarily know that I'm queer by just looking at me. I wonder if what he meant was if these two guys look gay. Okay, but that's weird as well. Know, that doesn't redeem them at all. What does gay look like exactly? Is that how he's distinguished it? If they look like straight dudes and they're kissing, gross. But if they're like leather daddies kissing... Who cares? <laughs> well, that just is like us and them again. Yeah. It's not, I'm not defending the joke I at all. I know. I absolutely know you're not. But, but like, you're right. I think I think that you've figured out the logic. Mm. And I'm like, that is so wrong. Yeah. Yeah, like, he's just creating categories of like, here's a straight person gay, and I don't like that. Mm. I don't like that it's close to what I am. It makes me uncomfortable in my sexuality. That's something you should figure out on your own, douche. You know, it's like, oh, but queer guys, you know, effeminate gay men, that's so different from my masculine, toxic masculine being that I don't need to relate to it to make me uncomfortable. Well, grow a pair. I don't know. Yeah. Grow a pair of ovaries. Grow a pair and get off the stage. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why is precious time being taken up by so many men like this? And also, the same night, this guy, like, 
actually spent five minutes talking about his masturbation routine and different porn he watches. Christ. Can you imagine if a woman did that? People would be uncomfortable. Yeah, because no one like no one like really even jokes about vaginas. Like we're no. we're not even at that point. We feel like we're so progressive, but are we? Okay, you need to tell your story about like the worst jokes you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> a young man who got on stage was telling jokes and then started to say that women should not have orgasms because they're not required for reproduction. Oh my god. And he doesn't understand why they even exist. The room just died. <laughs> it was probably about half women in the audience, actually. And they were all just like, what? Fuck. And the rest of his set just completely tanked. Because we were just like, this guy's You lost, like, you lost your audience. The MC came on afterwards and was like, oh, I'm sorry about the last performer. Just to clarify, uh, women's orgasms are great. And some studies show that they may be required for reproduction. They are. Uh, they are. Um, yeah. Ignore that guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy, that's so offensive because it's like people who have sex that's not for reproduction, queer people, aren't really having sex in his eyes. Like, yeah. that sex isn't necessary. Like, what the fuck? Most sex is recreational. Yeah. Like, you can have an IUD, take the pill, use condoms, a variety of different contraceptives. Why? Because people want to have sex because it's fucking fun and they don't want to get knocked up. Yeah. To get it back to the net. That was some tension that the joke just tanged. Yeah. And the MC came back, made a joke about it, we laughed again. Yeah, yeah. Tension made everyone removed. feel better. Yeah. And then we could get back to the new performer. But if, it, if that hadn't happened, I probably would have spent the rest of the night brooding about it. Yeah. But because it was acknowledged to the entire room, and that was some weird joke, it was okay. What a great MC. That yeah. is an example of well a great done. MC. Well done to them. I guess, like, what also makes me so uncomfortable about Nanette is the idea of being so successful in your art form and then just kind of losing your, how would you put it? I guess losing her respect for it because it wasn't serving her in a way that she needed it to. Yeah. And there's something so daring about that. And I think it's paid off because this special has like kind of gone viral. Yeah, it's like it's like I said, it's one of those things. Yeah. It's like a, it's a masterpiece. It's yeah. one of those things that should go down in history, in my opinion. It's like it's a huge mm. risk with a yeah, like you say, a big payoff. Yeah, and I'd previously only known Hannah Gadsby from her acting in a an Australian TV show called Please Like Me, where she plays a depressed lesbian, basically, who's sort of in and out of a a psychiatric home. So I'd never really seen her be funny. Because her character is quite low-key and introverted and depressed. So to then see her on stage and making jokes and like laughing about everything was so refreshing for me. Because I was like, wow, this is what Hannah's really like. Yeah. I love all these laughs. And then it's like, then there's a change. It's like, well. Yeah, yeah. She's back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, no one is one thing, right? Yeah. We, we can all be loving life and joyous and wonderful and then we can be like actually i fucking suffer and i loved seeing that because Mm. i think so much of this modern world that we live in the social media in particular is so much about happiness and essentially bragging it's just a status thing to me i'm sorry but that is a little bit how i feel and sometimes i get very disenchanted with that online world Yep. No one says I'm fucking suffering because it would be awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. We can't show those open emotions. It's very rare. We see it on Twitter, 
But no one would even put up an Instagram of them crying. Why would you yeah. want to? And if they do, it gets scrolled by quickly. Or it gets screenshotted and put on things like a sad cringe. <laughs> because it's like, look at this person feeling something. That's awkward. Yeah. Why aren't they just posting their happy holiday snap? And they're like, something, you see these things, you feel genuinely bad for them. You're like, if someone, one of my friends posted that, I would like reach out to them. Like, yeah, somebody should ask them if they're okay. Rather than like, oh, lol. They're depressed again. They're wishing they had someone to love in their life. Take a screenshot. Let's go laugh about it. Yeah, it's like this person's lonely and needs a sense of community. Let's laugh at them. <laughs> there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of things about humanity that I love. And Lynette really points out that there are there's a really ugly side too. And it's yeah. hard to reconcile that. It's hard to... It's like I always... I know this is an extreme example, but I always think about how wonderful people are that they risked their own lives by bringing in Jews, Jewish people, into their homes to look, you know, to protect them from mm. going to concentration camps. But at the same time, people were being sent to concentration camps because of their race, because of their sexuality because of their status in society so human humanity can be so wonderful and beautiful and also so ugly but it's so easy for us to just be apathetic and not acknowledge how ugly it can be and it's really hard to be confronted with that i mean even now like you get like holocaust jokes and they're not trying to take the tension away it's almost like let's laugh at this thing because it's cruel to laugh at it yeah, that really dark, like, I like dark humour, mm. but that really dark humour bothers me so much because people suffered, yeah. you know? Like, how can you laugh at that? I think they... There's nothing they can, funny about holo- the Holocaust. Not at all. And I think that they can laugh about it because... They're privileged. They're privileged and it doesn't feel real to them because they get they are seeing it through such a kind of a lens i guess yeah it's like this is something that happened in the black and white days such a surreal event yeah a different point in history yeah imagine it being actually real i think like if you i don't know i think if you are different i kind of feel like it's more real to you because you're like Mm. it's such a privilege for me to be able to live in society and as i described earlier in the episode walk around holding a, a woman's hand yeah. That's like a true privilege that we wouldn't have in different parts of the world even now. Yeah, I mean, I've heard other podcasters talk about how they just won't do it because they get harassed constantly. <gasps> oh, my God. And I do it. I don't, yeah. re- I don't really think anything of it because it's, it feels so natural. But I know that maybe some people would be like, oh, that... Most people need to see it. You know. <laughs> yeah, the more, I mean, the more people, the more you see things that are real, the more you understand the world. And knowing that, like, these comedians... I mean, comedians have a reputation for being depressed yes. and anxious. Yes. Some of them sadly commit suicide. For Hannah to be like, I'm not I'm not something to laugh at. I'm a real human with real experiences. Here's they are. I mean, she just, like, rattled off a few, like, horrific things on a whim. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there was that time I was gang raped. There was that time I was, like, molested as a child. Yeah. And there were just, like, single sentences because yeah. they weren't the focus of what she was saying, but... That kind of like shocks you as well. You're like, yeah. okay, she got beat at that time. It's horrible, but okay. Oh, plus there's a hor- other horrible thing and other horrible thing. But moving on. The point is. <laughs> the point is this stuff happened to me because of this. And here's kind of what we can do about it. Put your fucking socks up. I also feel like, although it is so confronting, Denia is just this perfect balance in which I feel that cishet 
white men could actually watch it and like be confronted by it. I mean, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but at the same time, accept what they're being told. Like it's not, it's not creating another us and them. Like you're the baddies. It's like, you need to think about these things. This is what you're doing. Like it's actually trying to relate to them, trying to create a a dialogue. I mean, as such a conversation, you know, Mm. And I saw this tweet online and it was like, this is one of my favorite things because Jaslyn and I often get told by men that our podcast isn't, we're not, they're not our target audience. I really want some guy, I should have questioned it when I hear it, to explain what the fuck that means. Because it's like, why are you our target audience? We make this for anyone. Like, you Mm -hmm. should listen. You should figure out what women think. You should figure out, like, and learn more about what queer women think in particular. So you can stop going around in society and feeling like you can sexually objectify a woman when you see her with another woman in the street. You know, like, I guess those guys are extreme. But surely even these, like, guys that are more, you know, milder in the middle, but just don't want to hear what women think. Yeah. Sort your shit, because you've got sisters, you've got mothers, you've got friends. You should be listening to us. You need it as much as anyone else. Yeah. I met a guy the other day that had listened to a few episodes, and then he was like... Yeah, I checked out a few, but it wasn't really my, my scene. And I was like, oh, that's okay. Like, podcasts aren't for everybody. But I think what he meant was, you're talking about feelings. You're talking about feminist ideas. You're talking about romance sometimes or sexuality and love. Stuff that he probably should be educated in. But because that's like, oh, that's too real. I'm going to go back to the, like drunk guys talking about beer. Totally. And like, that's you, those experiences are universal. Like, they're not, you know, restricted to the the feminine condition you know what I mean like that's everybody experiences those things but men are just encouraged in society to not talk about them and that's that's actually as much a tragedy as what women suffer from yeah that's why the patriarchy sucks like that's why sorry I'm going I don't know rant rant mode but I just want to say one more thing I just think like that's why you know people think feminism is this thing to make women as good or better than men. It's not. It's about helping everyone and the patriarchy is just I've probably said this before and I'll say it again. The patriarchy is just just as damaging to men as it is women. Like it sucks that men don't feel like they can open themselves up emotionally until they're in a relationship. There's mm-hmm. a good reason why men think of their wives as their best friends. It's because they can't fucking talk about their feelings with each other. This is how Nanette makes me feel. It's making me bring all these things up to the surface. Are you feeling this tension? Yeah, feeling it. Do you want us to take it away? (laughs) I think we should. (laughs) All right, I was going to say one more thing, though. I saw a tweet that said, I thought I wasn't the target audience for Nanette. I was going to check out. But then when I watched more, I realized I was the target audience. Yeah, everyone is. Yes. We're all part of the problem. We can all make it better. Send a link to anyone you know. Comes and watch it. especially guys. Send them a link and say, Watch this. Talk yes. to me about it afterwards. Talk to me about it afterwards. Yeah. Don't just like watch it while you're scrolling on your phone and like forget about it. Have a conversation with them. Yeah. Send, and send them a link to high expectations. <laughs> and say, You are the target audience. Anyone is the target audience. I don't care about your race, your sexuality, your gender, anything. We want you and we want you to, yeah, to listen and to contribute to make us better for you. Yep but we're not going to fucking talk about sports and cars and beer because I don't like that shit. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Jazza, do you have any final thoughts about Nanette? I think what works with Nanette is that if you're not the, quote, you know, target audience, you see her 
and her early jokes are about her appearance. She's got this whole, like, you know, quote, lesbian suit going on and the short hair and the glasses and the kind of, like, gets mistaken for a man a lot just for a second. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then they get awkward and corrected. And I think that will draw in more of an audience because if they watch it and they're like, oh, look, she's dressed like a bit of a dyke, you know? And then she's like... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wait, she's acknowledged it. Oh, that's okay then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll continue. Yeah. Annoying that she would have to do that, but it is a catalyst for talking about the self-deprecation. Very good. It's an awkward thing to, like, point out, but I think it's true. Yeah, Mm. yeah. How should we break the tension? What's what's something nice? Um, I'm trying to practice watering your grass, meaning instead of... um, I learned this from a shitty training that I hated. We can make a whole episode on why I hate that training, but anyway... Um, he said one thing that I liked, and that was, the grass isn't greener on the other side. Your gra- grass is greener where you water it. Water your grass so it can be green. And I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to be grateful for what I've got rather than what I want. You know what I mean? That's really cool. So what are you grateful for? What's like something real wholesome that you're grateful for? Last night, I had almost my entire finger in one room. Oh, true. And just like laughing, having fun feeling like midwinter Christmas vibes. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. For an extrovert like me, that was really invigorating and energizing. <laughs> and I, uh, I woke up today feeling quite buzzy about it. Me too. I've yeah. been feeling really good. Um, it was so nice to be at your party and like just have like warm hugs with friends through I've made through you who are now my own friends. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm grateful for, and I said this during the shitty training that I hated, is that I have brought a teapot to work with a tea cozy and a strainer, herbal tea. But every morning, me and a coworker, we make a pot of tea. And so I take the time to go over and make this pot of tea and fill up some jugs. And then we just pour tea. And it, it just brings home to work. And home is really important to me. It's my sanctuary. I just want to cry. It makes me so fucking happy, honestly. Because it's made my work week better. It makes me feel less like, oh, I want to go home. I want to go back to bed, you know, because I'm like, I've got home comforts right here. And it's like a small thing that makes just huge difference. So that's what I'm grateful for this week. Oh, that's really nice. My tea ritual. And my coworker feels the same. So it's really nice that we can bond over that and share that. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that went good. Did I hug you? No. Alright. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Justine. And Ashley. From, from the, the Cutaways, Cutaways Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to High Expectations. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. If you have any comments or questions, please send an email to highexpectationspodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on a post. Find on Facebook and Instagram at High Expectations Podcast or Twitter at High EX Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Have a, have great, a great week! week. We're Good. done. Done. Done, Jaslyn. Jeez, Jaslyn. We love you. Bye. We really do love you. Yeah, like, we're not angry at you at all. <laughs> I mean, other people are doing it now. So I was like, we've got to stay here the game. Yeah. I do have one improv. Oh, improv. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>